Welcome to Antioch Raleigh's weekly online sermon. We hope that you are encouraged by this word. For more information on Antioch Raleigh or access to our other online sermons, visit us at AntiochRaleigh.com. Good morning. All right, we are ready to go. Thank you, guys. Everyone could go ahead and find a seat. It is uh, a joy to be here this morning. Good morning, Antioch Community Church. Uh, my name is Ben Wickle, and I'm one of the pastors. And so we're, we got something a little different this morning, but it's good to see everyone here. I want to make sure I could see all the beautiful faces. Awesome. Well, hey, we have, for the past several weeks, been in this series about how the disciples of Jesus have, all disciples have been called and commissioned into full-time ministry. Uh, the days where 10% of the church does 90% of the ministry, those days are they're, they're ending. And we believe that at Antioch that all of God's people are clergy. We've all been called into full-time ministry. And there's, a, there's an abundance of callings. There's many different vocations that all of you have. You will go through various types of vocations. And during this series, during the summer, we're, we're, we're highlighting different types of vocations, different types of callings. And really for the rest of the summer, it's going to look a little bit more like this as opposed to a, a traditional you know, sermon, three points in a poem, like nothing wrong with that. We love that. But we... Uh, want to share more testimonies about what God has been doing really through our congregation. And last week, we, we got to hear from Michael Pierce, who's a youth pastor, but he gave this charge about the calling on fatherhood, being a dad, being a husband. And there, there are going to be weeks that we talk about uh, and we hear from people in the marketplace, uh, people who've, who own their own business, uh, there'll be weeks when we talk about people who have callings into healthcare, people who have callings into the government, people who have callings into the creative industry. And the hope is as we hear from our own people the testimonies, we hear from people who are living on mission with God in their sphere, that it gives language, it inspires you, it encourages you, and it, it propels you to, to own your ministry where you are at. And uh, looking at my notes here. So, today has a special focus on the nations, the calling to the nations. Now, you may be sitting there going, I have no desire to go overseas. I am perfectly called into Raleigh, and totally, that, that's, that's actually, we have some people up here who might try to convince you otherwise, uh, but really, the, the calling is about how the church as a whole has a calling to the nations. Uh, Matthew 28, right? Go make disciples of the nations. Acts 1.8 uh, says how we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to be witnesses of Jesus from Jerusalem all the way to the ends of the earth. And so, in a way, we're all called to the nations. Now, some will go and some will give. And then some, all, hopefully all of us will be praying to that end. Uh, because God's heart is for the nations. 
And we have sent this summer multiple teams to Mozambique. There, there's still teams over there. We're going to still send some teams. We have a team that's already come back from Mozambique. We have a team that's back from Tijuana. And we want to give a report. Uh, and here, here's why we're going to share testimonies. I, I feel like there's two reasons why I want to share testimonies. Number one, the Bible says in the book of Revelation that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, which is a kind of interesting verse. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when we verbally and vocally out loud testify about Jesus and what he's done in us and through us in our lives, it creates this prophetic, Holy Spirit-empowered grace to say, hey, that could happen in my life. How many of you have ever heard a testimony supernatural testimony of a miracle, and you're, as you're listening to the testimony, you go, oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I want that to happen too. Has anyone ever felt that, been encouraged when they heard testimonies? Okay, so what's happening there as your faith is being stirred is that's actually the Holy Spirit trying to prophetically tell you, hey, it could happen again, and it can happen in you. And so that's why we're going to share a lot of testimonies this summer and then secondly, we want to share testimonies about these trips because you guys gave upwards of over $100,000 and hundreds of hours of prayer. And we felt like as, as a team, we wanted to honor you guys and say, like, here's what God did. Here's, here, here's the good, and we're going to talk about that. But we also want to share some of our struggles, too, because it's not romanticized as well. So that's really the hope for this morning, and so we're going to start us off on that side of, of, of the, this beautiful group. We have the Mozambique team, and I'm going to have just the three of y'all on the far right introduce yourself, your name. I know a lot of you guys know them, but just there's people who don't, so say your name, what you do for a living, and also I love to hear just how, how, many, how many times you've been on a missions trip before. And, and then we're going to go back to Holly because I've got a question for you. So introduce yourselves. Hello, my name is Holly Haas, and I'm the missions pastor here. And um, how long have I been? On yeah. Many, okay, so I lived 18 years overseas. Okay. Let me just say that. How's that? <laughs> record. There you go. We set a record. And I'm Andrew Haas. I'm a missionary with Transworld Radio. And I also cannot count how many times, but... In the last 25 years, I've been to 51 nations. Wow. Hey, I'm Parker Colbath, and I am a full-time environmental engineer. I work for Withers Ravenel. Shout out. Um, and I'm also a full-time husband, and that's what I do. And, oh, I've been overseas with Antioch four times, but prior to this, including this trip. So. Well, let's just introduce her. Yeah, and then we'll give it back to Holly. Parker's just following instructions. <laughs> Hello, uh, my name is Christopher Wang. I teach sales for a living, and this was my first ever missions trip. Hey guys, I'm Emily Mormon. I'm a full-time production designer at a video agency, um, and Tijuana was going to be my first uh, international missions trip with Antioch. I'm Abby. I'm a digital product designer for a local agency, and this Tijuana was my fourth mission trip. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Good job, guys. Hey, let's give it back to Holly. Holly, 
you're a missions pastor. Can you just tell us a little bit why we what were we doing in Mozambique, big picture, and why are we doing that? Well, we Tracy Evans, many of you know of Tracy Evans. She's one of our missionaries out of here, and she's been asking for years for long-term workers in Mozambique. And um, in talking with Tracy and in talking, I got a phone call from Scott Lichen out of our Boone Church saying, hey, I got some folks interested in the nations. And then just in talking with some of our senior leadership here, as we were praying, we felt an invitation from the Lord to go to Beira and to see what the Lord has there and to actually pave a way forward for a long-term team yet to come to be prayer walking the area, to make connections, to be praying into a disciple-making movement, and to also be equipping um, the local church there in how to make disciples um, as well. And we just felt a huge invitation from the Lord to just like, come and see what I'm going to do here. Um, And that's really why we kind of started there. And it was just amazing to see like what the Lord did. It surpassed anything I could have dreamed of, of just how Everything worked like clockwork, like I've never seen on a missions trip before. With, but yet on the front end, like the six months behind that was lots of, you know, uh, struggles and pushback and all of that. But as soon as we got on the ground, it was just amazing. The partnerships and the, the fruit, the fruit, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few is what it says in the Bible. And the fruit of Africa is hanging ripe on the vines and ready to be picked. Um, to the point that, like, the first day out, we not only had salvations, but we had baptisms. We had just amazing stuff going on that happened in the first day that was the beginning of many things yet to come. It has only, like, escalated over this time. Andrew, can you share a little bit about kind of, like, what a typical day for your team was those first few weeks? Like, what were you guys doing? Well, the the program was really well organized, um, both on an ETN intern uh, level for the Engage the Nations uh, people that went, as well as the Raleigh short-term crew that we received. And uh, it started up with getting yourself out of bed and having Jesus time. And then getting together about 9.30 in the morning uh, for team meetings. And then by uh, 11.30, we were wrapping up that, and we were getting ready to go out and, and hit the streets. So I would start shuttling people in the van. That was my primary uh, responsibility. <laughs> yes, I always had to remember which side of the road to drive on because they're, they're British and they drive left. Um, and we would hit the streets for five hours from, from about noon to five. There would be pounding the pavement, um, meeting people, striking up conversations, offering to have prayer. Um, people would find food on the street, and they would have their lunch wherever they found it. And then at 4.30, I would start shuttling people back to where we were staying, and we would have a team dinner that had been prepared by whoever had uh, been part of um, preparing that day's meal. And we would eat together, and we would share testimonies, both to just encourage each other what God had been doing, as well as to make an audio recording for those of you on the WhatsApp prayer shield, and to send encouragement back here. And I know that uh, over 150 people were praying for us daily and getting those encouraging words. 
how many teams are we sending total and how many give us some numbers for the number of missionaries long term short term and how many teams etc so the total number of people going to Mozambique this summer between Raleigh and Boone is 28 there are six of our ETN interns, which are the folks that have gone from May 26th through August 2nd. So there's six folks that have given up the entire summer. And then we've had um, one, two, three, six uh, base parents, if you will. Those are folks like our age, staying a little bit longer and just providing some guidance and all of that. And then um, the other, I guess, 18 no, my math is wrong on that. Sorry, jet lag. Um, the other bits were folks coming out for two to three weeks throughout the summer. Awesome. Parker, share a little bit about your experience in Mozambique. Well, everyone there speaks Portuguese, first of all. So there is a language barrier. It's actually a really, it's a beautiful language. It's like Spanish, but then you're like with a twist. Like you, you can't quite, it's different. Um, and so we had, we were working with these translators from this local church. And I'm telling you, our hearts were knit together with them. They're all, you know, 16 to 25, probably young people. And our team was, our, our short-term team was 60% college students. So they were just, they were tight. They were so close. And so we were going out on the streets every day and, and ministering with them. And, oh my goodness, the testimonies are just amazing. And maybe I'll wait for you to ask that question or I could go ahead and share one. I mean, it's up to you. So, any testimonies? <laughs> Actually, no. It's part of my experience. I had a preface to that. One of the things I love about mission trips, our mission trips, is, and if you come, you know that we, like, we experience the supernatural power of God. Yeah. Like, we, our teams, they see healings, they see miracles, and a lot of it's because I think we put ourselves in a position, one, of obedience, like, we're going, They'll follow. And then secondly, there's this dependence. Like, we need God to move. We need God to do something crazy. So share, I'd like for each of you to share at least one, just test. had uh, the pleasure of, so, well, the first testimony is just the college students. Just want to shout you all out. One of them's here. Elijah, what's up? So uh, our team was 60% college students, and they were so bold. They're so on fire. They're sharing their faith. So I got there halfway through the trip because I had PTO for work limitations. So I got there halfway through. And so I just showed up and got to enjoy what they had already started, okay? So on the first day, one of them, Spencer, met a guy named Mauro. And Mauro was so hungry for something to change his life. He was so, so, so hungry. He had been an alcoholic for, for gosh, going on over a decade. And he was really struggling. His family was really struggling under the oppression of that. And... Um, they shared the gospel with him. He had never heard it before, never been to church before, never, never read the Bible before. But he heard the story, and he was like, I want to give my life to Jesus. I understand that this is the hope that I need. And not only did he give his life to Jesus, but they talked to him immediately about baptism, about the old self dying away and being raised to new life in Christ. And he was like, I need to do that right now. They baptized him in the ocean, and he did not have another, he was drinking every day, did not have another drink. The entire time we were there, he was so free, and his neighbors were coming by and saying, <laughs> he had pretty good English, so he, was, he would, in his Portuguese accent, kind of say, like, my neighbors, they would say, Mauro, why you not drink anymore? What's wrong with you? And, and he would go, I am set free. Like, he would literally like, testify to them as they're walking by, like, I'm free now. I'm free. It was so good. 
and there, there is more to that story, absolutely, because he immediately began to share with his entire family, and all, of two, all but two of them believed in Jesus so far, and he kept saying, so far. <laughs> and, and we did three Bible studies with them. The first one it was just Mauro. The second one, his fa- he invited his whole family. They're all there. They're kind of gathered around. And then the third one, his son was just sitting there. Just, you know, the, first, the second one when his son came, he was kind of in and out. The third, the third one, he was just like so intent. Like, I, I need this too. Like, I've seen the change in my dad's life. You know what I mean? So it was, it was awesome. It was really, really Woo! awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I want to share what God did in the, the little things that kept everything going. Um, we've got some, some pictures here to, to show you real quick. I love show and tell. And uh, God provided uh, supernaturally for the full funding of the van that we needed for transport. It only seats uh, eight people, eight passengers and a driver. Oh, you know. The Americans, you can only seat eight, but African style, I think we seat 11. <laughs> yeah. So, the, this is the inside of the van. We, we, Mariana uh, very kindly sat in between the front seats so we could squeeze in extra people. We, we really turned it up to 11, literally, in this eight-passenger eight van. And when, when we took it off-road, God really provided uh, a vehicle that could handle the craters, um, the... the <laughs> This is trying to get to church on Sunday night with huge uh, mud puddles. <laughs> and people, sometimes you know, I can drive as carefully as I can, but you're going to bottom out once in a while. And everybody in the back row just yelps. But God got us in. God got us out. And so God got us uh, around. Uh, there were very few crazy drivers in Beira, but we almost met one head on. Um, we, we got a lot of uh, police bear, uh, checkpoints. We didn't get stopped by a single one. So God kept answering prayers for things to run smoothly in ways that we, did, we weren't even aware of, but God took care of it. Um, and some other p- pictures real quick, just to show you what we experienced there. This is the, the biggest group on the last day when we were, we were, those that were on ministry were saying goodbye to our translators such a giving group of people who Holly had budgeted for payment for our translators. Uh, almost to a man, they wouldn't accept a dime except for a few said, you know, I would like bus fare. But for the most part, they were giving of themselves. They did not want to be hindered in their ability to give to the ministry that God was doing. And we also got to go and uh, spend time with the leadership. On the, on the left is uh, Apostle Mario, the, the head of the church that we were working with, and next to him is Pastor Donnie. These men were very excited with what Antioch was bringing to their city, and they were, I mean, they said, you know, we work with a lot of people. I mean, it seems like almost every month their church is receiving ministries, and they're gearing up in September to do uh, one of the huge tent crusades for thousands and thousands of people with um, uh, Christ, Christ for All Nations. And so they do big things, but they said, you know, we, we believe uh, that we are called to work together. And, and the leadership down to these 
teenagers and college students that were working with us uh, really demonstrated that. They didn't just say things, they did things. And so that was a, a real blessing to see God work. And then the final picture here was what we were recording um, on note cards to get a name, get a contact number, get some identifying details, getting real prayer requests and prayer goals in the lives of the people we were working with and moving them from we've made contact to the column of they're in a discovery Bible study to, hey, um, we're tracking if they're starting to share with others. And that passing on what they've learned is the real measurement. Yeah, you know, Second Timothy two two. The things that you've learned from me, pass on to faithful men who will pass them on to faithful men. This was us trying to keep our eyes on the the New Testament goal of success. And then that one f- column there in the middle is all of our translators, and we just loved those folks, and we were so happy that that we were able to work alongside such giving men and women. I, I really love that what you guys were doing because our. Your, you guys weren't just trying to make converts. It, it, it was about how do we make disciples, and there's a long-term strategy there. And we've been hearing from Tracy and other long-term missionaries that the harvest is so ripe. Seeing people come into the kingdom is so easy. The challenge is, like, how do they get discipled? How do we put them into community so they can make it for the long haul? Which is really, this, this trip is, is the first step, and hopefully some long-term teams being able to come back and partner with those local partners to see this discipleship going. So that's super cool. Holly, do you have a, a testimony? Well, let me just follow up a little bit on this as well, is that we were hoping for the first week when we had 20 people on the ground that we would have maybe three or four translators. So that line um, there on the right is, I think, 13 or 14 cards of people consistently showing up and people communicating with us. It's like, I can't meet for DBS at this time, but I can come at this time. I can do this, but I I can't do this, but I can do this. Now, um, in our context, that feels rather normal, but to have right off the right out of the gate, that level of communication and honesty cross-culturally in a culture that just wants to say yes to a lot of things. Do you know, um, um, that's a very amazing thing. So instead of just having like three to four translators every day, we would have easily six to eight translators and we'd have to divide up our groups. And it was a great, I want to say, problem to have. And the awesome thing with the translators as well is that they're, like a lot of them were like, oh, I haven't been discipled. I need to be discipled too. And so while we're going out and and sharing the gospel um, with people to bring them into DBS, we're also kind of doing a two-pronged approach of like, watch what we're doing, and then now you go ahead and do this as well. You lead the next one um, and all of that. And that was exciting. And even down to a few like, hey, you know, one of the translators just saying, um, we we, we want, um, we'll, we'll follow up with this person, and we're, try, we're like, we need to keep track of where these people are at, and they're, they're, their excitement and zeal to just go off and to do the, the DBSs was just, it was awesome and just incredible. Um, That's awesome. Well, one of the things we don't want to do is over-romanticize or romanticize missions, missional living. Uh, all it takes is one, one read of, of the book of Acts, and for every time Paul is seeing people saved and healed, he's also being run out of town, he's being, you know, beaten, he's being stoned, so there's, there's difficulties, and, and, and both teams will get a chance to share, but I'll start with you guys, the Mozambique team, share if there's, at least one of you can share just maybe some struggles, it could be spiritual warfare, it could be the fact that we're in a fallen world, or things that you guys were dealing with, what, have been, what were some of the struggles you guys were facing? 
Well, we, we, I just have to give a praise report. I expected there to be people that got sick on certain days and just had to hang back. We didn't really see that. Your prayers were answered, and we stayed healthy. And there was a shocking lack of um, interpersonal conflict on the team. People were committed to the goals. They would get themselves up. No matter how late they stayed up the night before talking, they would get up, and they were ready to meet with Jesus, and they were ready to to attack another day. Um, You don't see this. I've been on a lot of missions trips. I've seen a lot of interpersonal conflict. I've been to blame for some of it. But I just have to say... (laughs) What God did and is still doing this summer is really supernatural. Uh, so, Mariana was there for the full trip, but I was only there for half. And then she stayed on further in Zimbabwe. So, I jokingly said that I was 50% on mission to Mozambique, 50% on mission to my wife. Um, <laughs> so, I got to be with her, and that, but it was hard, you know, to be apart. And we're still apart, and I think that's a challenging part of missions but that definitely like happened throughout the Bible, like Peter was married or like things like that, you know, just it's, it's worth it, but it's also kind of difficult. Um, I think another hard thing was being the first. I mean, it's crazy how flexible everyone was. We had to be because it was a two-week trip. We have no like permanent long-term team in Beira and we're adjusting to life in a city with some guidance and, and good, good experience in Africa, but still like, how's the day-to-day going to look? We're, we got to figure this out, you know? And so there was a lot of flexibility involved, just like, okay, we are going to go at this time. Okay, wait, actually, that's not going to work. You know, but it, it all really went smoothly and worked out ultimately, but it was kind of What's the, the universal sign for flexibility? Semper flexibilis. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. Hey, uh, let's shift gears to a, a, a different trip, different team, the Tijuana team. And the Tijuana trip was... In a lot of ways, much different in its purpose and its scope. So, where the Mozambican crew was there, they're pioneering. Imagine, fast forward like 10 years, and you have uh, a Tijuana team now being sent to where there's already an existing church. So, when we went to Tijuana, uh, there's, a, there's a, a church called All People's Church, which is part of the Antioch Network Family of Churches. And they've been hosting and receiving these short-term trips for about eight years. So we got to much more plug-and-play and partner with a handful of, of local ministries, including the church. Uh, for instance, we went to a YWAM base, which has a, a center for, for families. We got to go to a refugee center. Maybe we can get some pictures going. And then lastly, we got to be a part of a, a house of prayer right in the middle of probably one of the darkest places in all of Central America, which is the red light district of, of this part of Tijuana. And then some of our ladies got to go and minister. So we were plugging and playing with a, a, a lot of different ministries. So, But I, I want to start off with, with Chris. I know you've already introduced yourself, but share a little bit about what God was doing and teaching you through this trip, kind of some of your experience. Yeah. I had one prayer request going into this trip, and the big question that I was asking the Lord was, what does it mean to be a fully deployed Christian? Um, And that got answered basically on the first day. So 
One of the things that I felt like I learned was the value of long-term missions and living missionally wherever you are. Um, I thought that short-term trips were awesome. We were able to see some really cool things. And the fact that we could partner with long-term teams and actually have someone to partner with. And when we found someone that they were interested, we could actually just connect them with a long-term team for discipleship. That was huge. And... I think about like what I was like a, as a day one believer versus one that was four years in, right? So almost that short-term evangelism of planting seeds, there is value in that, but without long-term discipleship, then we don't really know what the ultimate fruit of that is going to be. Was there, Chris, a particular ministry setting where you saw just an incredible testimony? There were testimonies basically every single day. Um, and I really want to credit this to the intercessors that we had. So Brandon, um, Adam, and Emily, uh, we, we thank you. But we saw around 40% of the people that we prayed for get healed. And as someone that prays for people regularly in the United States, it was astronomically different. Um, it was amazing to see what God was doing because of the prayer covering that we had and also something that I'm thinking about is why is it so much easier for God to move in other places sometimes? I'm not entirely sure. I do want to, again, shout out, there so many of you were probably getting these group me messages. Oh, they're asking for more prayer. They're asking for more prayer. And even if it was that quick, you know, you're busy. Oh, Lord, just bless them. Send them grace. Like, even if it was that type of prayer, and I do those quite a bit probably, uh, thank you because we... One of, one of the craziest things that I saw was every time we would uh, share the gospel, it was preceded by we'd do a drama, and had a drama team. They did great. We'd preach the gospel right afterwards, and I was blown away that we, the moment we would give an invitation, like, who would like to give their lives to Jesus? And I don't know about you, I, I've grown up in a lot of those, like, southern kind of religious circles when the, the pastor or preacher does it. You kind of, there's like maybe like a hand goes up over there. Maybe there's like a hand that goes up over there. And you're like, that's exciting, right? So it got saved. But when we did that over there, I mean, the moment you said, hey, who wants to follow Jesus for the first time? You would just see hands. You just see, I remember distinctly like this, this granddad, he brought his grandkids to the park. And they were like, why not? Why, why wouldn't I give my life to Jesus? And so just to see just the, the hunger of people wanting to follow Jesus. I attribute to the prayers, attribute to God's grace. It was wonderful. So uh, let's jump to Abby. Abby, I want you to share a little bit about your experience, kind of maybe some of the highlights mm -hmm. uh, of ministry, maybe some testimonies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, one really cool practice that I think we had throughout the week is really tuning in to what is God telling us in advance before we go out and minister to folks. So we, we would spend time um, asking God for pictures, for names, for descriptions of people, um, and we would just compile this list. We'd write it down, send it to the, the WhatsApp uh, message that we had, and expect in faith to run into those people. And you know what? Like, as the week went on, we did. We were running into those people left and right. Like, very specific names that you would not expect in Mexico, some that you would expect, like Jorge. I ran into a guy named Jorge, very common name. But then there was another name, Katrina. Like, Katrina in Tijuana, but I, I ran into a Katrina and had a very, in, uh, when we were partnering with YWAM, and had a very meaningful conversation with her. So 
Um, just really, really so cool how God was so intentional. Um, he had very specific people in mind before we even went out. And there was this one, I think, so David Klingler got a picture of a guy in a wheelchair and said he had a really clear image of this guy's face. And, um, you know, as the week went on, there was one guy in a wheelchair, this one uh, I think it was the refugee center, maybe it was somewhere else. And we were like, yeah, maybe that, maybe that guy was it. But David was like, no, I don't, I don't think that guy's it. You know, I had a really clear picture of his face. And it was funny because we're driving the bus back to the hotel. This is not our structured ministry time. And David's like, that's the guy. And like points out one of our windows. And we're like, oh, okay, wow. Um, so, <laughs> you know, David grabbed Cassia and um, I think Andrew and went over and prayed for this guy, and so, I think his name was Nicholas, and he, he was already a Christian, but he said, you know, this is amazing because I feel like the Lord told me I was going to walk this year. Um, he's like, I already have this dream. I, I have this word already. Um, so they prayed for him, and, and he did not get healed in the moment, um, but it was just so cool to see the intentionality that God had with this, that guy. Um, and he ended up praying for them before, uh, before they left. So, yeah, that, that was one highlight. You were one of the few people that got to go out to the Red Light District mm -hmm. and share a little bit about some of the background of what Anna, that's her name, who she led, started this ministry. Mm -hmm. Like, what was she doing there? What mm -hmm. was some of that ministry like? What was the impact? What was mm -hmm. God up to? in that type of ministry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was kind of a, it was a, a coffee shop slash house of prayer. So they would kind of advertise themselves to the local community as a coffee shop. And when we went out and ministered to some of these sex workers in the, um, in the district, we would give them um, uh, like a, a free coffee, you know, come bring your friend and come get a free coffee. So um, it was it was kind of cool to see that. Anna was awesome. She came and spoke at one of our team times. Um, super prophetic woman. She had been there for years. Um, you know that was not that was not her dream starting out. She just said, "I just love to worship. I just love doing this." And so she just started worshiping and inviting her friends into that. And then it turned into this whole um, house of prayer in that district. So, yeah, that's that's a little bit of. And the they've background. been there for eight years. She's a worshiper. And she felt like the Lord told her to go to one of the, the darkest places. And if you walk in a coffee shop, it, you, you immediately feel the presence of God. Oh, it yeah. Is. And we walked in there, and half of our team stayed there the whole, probably about four hours. And we just worshiped, and we just mm -hmm. prayed. And then Abby was a part of a, a, another team where they would go out, and they, you, you guys were right, yeah, you passed out these purses. And inside the purse was... Uh, a little voucher for free free coffee. And they have to be very strategic on how they minister. Like, they can't mm -hmm. go up to these ladies and say, you know, we're going to get you out of here. Uh, you couldn't even bring cell phones. You mm -hmm. can't take pictures. Um, Anna and her ministry have really, it's taken years to gain favor, to be able to minister and love these, these young women. Some of them have been forced into that situation. But just to love on them. And the hope is, you know, they see this, hey, free vouch coffee voucher, and then they come during the day, and they just get more ministry. And so it was just, I think, like, the, like you see, yes, some of that stuff exists it exists in our country, in, you know, in our, some of our own cities. But what blew my mind was, like, how, like, normalized some of that, that stuff is. Like, it's just every day for them, the, the, pro the crime, the poverty, 
And so to know that you have women like Anna who are, who are just saying, I, I don't care. I'm going to root myself in the darkest place, and I'm going to worship. I'm gonna, that, that's, that's her strategy. We're just going to worship. We're going to pray. We're going to love these ladies. So I'm going to shift gears uh, for you guys. We did encounter some spiritual warfare even before the trip, during the trip. There was some, just some resistance, and that's honestly to be expected. That, that, that's, that happens. Um, Emily, share a little bit about kind of like your story of the trip and just how God was speaking to you leading up to the trip and even maybe during the trip. Yeah, so um, for context, we were supposed to be at the airport 3 a.m. on a Monday morning um, to, to book a flight or to leave for Tijuana. Um, and so the Thursday uh, prior to that, I started getting a sore throat. Um, but, you know, I know how spiritual warfare works. I was like, you know, I, I know this is going to be okay by Monday. Like, I was not worried at all. So I didn't see a doctor. I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to wait it out. I know it's going to be fine. Thursday, or Friday, I wake up, and the sore throat is so bad that, like, I can't even swallow. It's so hard to eat food. I was in so much pain. I had a fever. Um, but it's like, you know what, it's going to be okay. Like, Monday is still a couple of days away. Like, I have time. It's just, it's just spiritual warfare. Like, God's just going to do, like, awesome things through me, you know, when I get there. Um, but then Saturday came and Sunday, and it was still really, really bad. Um, but I was like, Ben, like, you know, like, I have so much faith. Like, I'm just going to come to church on Sunday for the commissioning. And, like, you know, it talks about, like, when the elders lay hands on you and, you know, like, you will be healed. So, you know, it's like, I'm just going to be there. I'll, I'll wear a mask, but, like, I'm going to just come. And I have faith that, like, God is going to heal, heal me. And I had lots of people praying. Um, like, our, our whole team was praying. They knew what was up. Um, I had texted lots of prayer warriors to just contend to make sure that, like, I really could could get on that flight by Monday. Um, but Ben was like, no, don't, please stay home. Like, go see a doctor. Just, like, make sure uh, this is nothing super serious. Um, and make sure, like, you can get a doctor's note um, that says, like, you're okay to travel. Um, so I, I went to a doctor, and uh, sure enough, I tested positive for COVID. Um, but our team was like, you know what, we, we still have like a couple hours for, you know, for the rest of the day. Like, we're just going to keep praying and praying and praying. Maybe by 3 a.m., like, you'll be okay. Uh, so we kept praying. Uh, Abby called me and we prayed together. Um, but yeah, I still tested positive, um, all the way up until we were supposed to leave. Um, and I, I didn't go on the trip. Um, and I think, I think sometimes when, when things like this happen, um, you know, I've heard a lot of stories of, of people getting really disillusioned with the Lord um, or, or with miracles and healing. Um, and I think for me, you know, the situation really begs the question, like, what do you do? Um, like, or how do you still have faith for, for Jesus being a healer? Like, I was the one who designed these shirts, and I very specifically felt like the Lord said to put on the shirt, like, healing for the nations, and I still believe that's true, but how do I process, um, you know, this fact that um, our whole team had so much faith to see healing, like, in my body, and we didn't see it happen in the moment, 
And I think um, something that the Lord showed me in prior seasons kind of leading up to this that has really prepared me for, like, this situation that happened is that ultimately, you know, even in this phrase, like, healing for the nations, like, that's in Revelation. That, like, the fullness of healing ultimately comes when Jesus comes back to restore all things. Like, in Acts, it talks about heaven must receive him until the time for restoring all things has come. And so I think, for me, that's where where my heart is anchored. Like, you know, even Lazarus, he did get a miracle, but he still died. Like, we we all still have to face the fact, like Ben mentioned, like, we live in a fallen world. And there will, even if I was to get healed on this trip, there still will be other crises, crises that I will face in my life. And so... I think for me, um, my hope just lies in the fact that one day, like, Jesus is going to come back. Um, He's going to set foot on the Mount of Olives. Uh, We're going to be face-to-face with him, and we're going to get resurrection bodies that are never going to get sick again, um, and death will be no more. Amen. Woo! Thank you for sharing, Emily. That's really, really encouraging to hear, and uh, while we were there, we actually ended up having a, a second team member get test positive, and when, when we found this out, like this was our second day there, it felt like I went into a time machine to 2020. <laughs> All of that trauma of like what happened that spring and, you know, CDC and, and you know, what per- this person says, and we have a team with lots of varying opinions, and I'm going, oh my, you know, I'm the team leader, I'm thinking, how in the world are we going, to, like I'm trying to wrap my head around like, what do we do? Like, we, what do we do now? There's exposure, blah, 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 and and, but I, I was super proud of our team because the, the word I heard the Lord say was just be resilient, be resilient. And just to see our team uh, not give up on each other, not dive into the flesh, those interpersonal conflicts, there was definitely, you know, the edge of that. We're feeling some of that, but to keep our love on. Let's keep our love on. Let's, let's remember why we're here. And, you know, we, we were able to appropriately, you know, take care of those who were sick and and Chris mentioned this, but we, we were not going to get disillusioned, but we were going to say, all right, what do we do now? We have, we have Emily, and we have this other team member who said, we're not quitting. Like, we're, during the duration of this trip, we are going to be praying. And so we have one guy, he's in his, his room the whole time. He's just praying, and he's constantly texting us. I just want to pray. What do you guys need prayer for? And, and Emily's constantly sending messages. And so when Chris says... I really, when you said, I really believe that so much of the fruit was because of, of the, the, the intercession, uh, the, the intercessors, the people covering, it, it, it is, it's Emily, it's, it's our team, it's, it's you guys, and so we're, we're extremely thankful for, even in the messiness of ministry and living missionally, like Jesus is still moving. Mm-hmm. He's still moving, and he's getting the glory, and are, are we kind of had like this, kind of like vengeful, like, all right. Lord, do three times as much as what you were going to do originally. Like, we were just like, we are not going to stop contending and believing. that. God, and God showed up. I, I mean, we saw probably over close to 50 people give their lives to Jesus. We saw dozens of people get healed. Um, and then, of course, I, I would say you've heard the adage, you know, it's the people who end up going usually get more transformed. And our team has been changed uh, We've, we've, we've received an anointing to want to wanna live more missionally. And this is what I'd like for us to do, kind of to kind of transition and close our service out. Um, I'm actually going to invite our, our worship team to come back up. And 
Uh, as you guys are coming back up, let's have our team right here. Are you guys? Let's put our seats up. We're going to transition to a time of ministry. I'll just keep talking. You guys can do that. But uh, in Romans chapter 1, in Romans chapter 1, in the, in the greatest theological doctrinal book ever written, book of Romans, Paul says, I long to see you face to face that I may impart to you a spiritual gift. So as, as, as theologically and as inspired and as, as authoritative as the book of Romans is and what the next 16 chapters unfold, right? Paul's like, I still need to see you face to face so that I may impart to you a spiritual gift. And as I this this morning and what our, our time of ministry would look like, I felt like uh, that the Lord wants to... to give an impartation to us as a people uh, for, for all of you guys. And so if you were here this morning and you were feeling disturbed by the testimonies, you're feeling a little like, you know, maybe it's like, I want to give myself a little bit more to intercession or I want to give myself a little bit more to being bold or praying for the sick, whatever it may be. We're, our, our time of ministry is going to be about inviting you guys to come to the front and, and we're going to have our team and I can have also the, the Mozambican team that are, come here, but Elijah, I want you up here too, buddy. Basically, our teams that went out, we want to pray for you. Because we, as we went out, the Lord imparted to us, and we want to give it away. We want to pray for anyone who's like, I, I just want to just live missionally. I want to own the calling. And by faith, we're just going to believe that impartation is, is going to ignite you to be bold, to have faith to exercise the giftings. We talked about words and knowledge. Exercise healings. And we just want to give it away this morning. Give, it, give that away this morning. So how does that sound? Does that sound good? All right, let's go ahead and let's stand up. And our worship team is just going to continue to lead us. But if you would like prayer for, just say, hey, I, I just want a little bit more. I just, want, uh, I just want a little bit more fire in my heart. Then we want to pray for you. We want to lay hands on you and just see an impartation. So, you're welcome to come to the front. I'm going to pray us out, and we're going to jump into ministry time. Jesus, we thank you that you have wonderful gifts that you give to your body, and you'd love to see your church just spread that through amongst one another, God. Lord, we, thank, we are thankful for the testimonies. We're thankful for the prayers. We're thankful for the obedience of all the team members, Lord. But, Lord, we want to see more of it. We want to say, do it again, Lord. Do it again in our lives. The testimony of who you are, Jesus, stirs us up prophetically that it may happen again. So, Lord, we thank you for what you've done and what you are going to do, Lord. We give you praise, Lord.